Welcome to The Coin Club, a podcast brought to you by The Seven House Coins, Currency, Bullion, where we discuss everything related to numismatics. I'm glad to have you along with me for my journey and excited to share with you the very best of numismatics. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 33 of the Coin Club podcast. Glad to have you all back as we kick off 2024 with the very first podcast of the year. I hope that you all had a great holiday season and slid into the new year healthy and well. Oh, and possibly with a few coins added to your collection. 2023 was a very interesting year for me personally, one of many changes, many new friends and acquaintances, and another great year for the podcast. I've been dropping the ball in regards to getting episodes out to y'all, but believe it or not, this past year has seen the biggest increase in listenership than previous years, and with only three episodes released. I know, I know, it's shameful. I'm hoping to get a few more than that out this year. The podcast actually ranked in the top 25% for first seven-day downloads, and to boot, were pretty popular in some major cities. Thanks to all my Fort Worth, Texas listeners, you all topped the list with the most downloads, followed by Frankfurt, Germany, good old Philly, Pennsylvania, Dallas, Texas, and Chicago, Illinois topped the list as well. The international listeners are all over to boot. Germany, Canada, Australia, the UK, a bunch of listeners in Asia, and for a little bit, I was a pretty popular podcast in Nigeria, ranking number one there. Hello to all the new listeners, and thank you to those who continue to follow, as it wouldn't be worth it without you. Well, on to why you're all here. In this episode, you'll get a good dose of the news, some roll hunting tips and reminders, the World Coin Spotlight, And we'll end it off with some good chat about the United States large scent. Large scent collectors are very passionate, so I hope I can do it some justice. I hope you've been curious as to where we're off to for the next WorldCoin Spotlight. Okay, friends, let's get on with the show. We'll start off with a bit of older news, just because the collection impressed me so much. Great Collection sold the finest known specimen of an 1877 Indian scent recently. The auction ended on Sunday, November 19th. This beauty was graded by PCGS and came out with an MS66 Plus grade. It was in the Stuart Blake Collection and they touted it to be his favorite Indian head scent. This one sold with 48 bids for a whopping $340,875, including the buyer's fee. If you take a look at the coins being sold off from this man's collection, you will understand why the prices are bringing what they bring. Truly top-notch coins. 
For all you PCGS fans out there who wonder if it's really worth it to pay the money to have your babies entombed in that nice plastic holder, well, here you go. PCGS graded all 30 of the top 30 United States coins sold in the year 2023. It's a pretty impressive stat, if I do say so myself. They continue to offer us a quarterly special, and to start off the new year, you have three options at your fingertips. The first is a world regular and economy special. Submit four world coins through economy or regular service levels, and you'll get the fifth one graded for free. Number two is a variety attribution special. You save $8 for each coin that receives a variety and $4 for each that does not. Last but not least is a banknote submission offer. You get free return shipping on bulk consecutive, modern bulk, non-consecutive, and vintage pre-1960 bulk consecutive bank grading note submissions. You can take advantage of these deals through March 31st, 2024. The Certified Collectibles Group announced that they will be opening an office up in Dubai in 2024. The official date has not been announced as of yet. However, they state that collectibles submitted to CCG's Dubai office will be transported with full insurance coverage based on the submitter's declared value to CCG headquarters for authentication, grading, and encapsulation. The collectibles will then be transported back to the Dubai office again with full insurance coverage and return to the submitter. It also looks like they're hunting for talent for this location. They're asking if you're interested in applying for a position at this office, send them your resume. Heritage Auctions has an upcoming auction to be on the lookout for. On the 29th, they'll have a U.S. Small Sense U.S. Coin Auction. A lot more auctions are up on their website now, so please head over there and check them out. You can find them at ha.com. The United States Mint has a number of offerings up on their website that come out this month. Harriet Tubman will be featured on a number of different coins for offer. The American Eagle 2024 one-ounce silver proof coin and the 2024 congratulations set were ready to purchase on January 16th. The American Innovation coins for the state of Illinois will be available on January 25th. And the last offer of the month will be seen on the 29th with the release of the Native American $1 coin rolls, bags, and boxes. You can find all that at www.usmint.gov. The last news story I want to share with you involves a piggy bank. (laughs) That's right, a piggy bank. One that was put away a very long time ago. How many of you throw your change in a jar and forget about it for a while? Well, this piggy bank was put away and discovered 1,400 years later while archaeologists excavate the ancient city of Hadrianopolis. Ten coins were found in this piggy bank, money box type of container, dating back to Constance II. The building that they were found in is still being investigated as to what it was exactly used for. However, they seem to think it was some sort of kitchen as they found other artifacts that would suggest it was used for that. I don't think some of our modern coins would survive half of that time buried underground, folks, especially our beloved Zinkins. All right. 
right, all you roll hunting junkies. We're going to be going back to the good old Lincoln cent. For all of you who get your coins from the bank, you may have a big sigh of distaste when you get a couple of new rolls or even a whole box for all you hardcore hunters out there. You really don't want to have a brand new shiny box of Lincoln cents. You're thinking to yourself that you haven't heard of any new errors or varieties to search for, so why even open them up, right? Wrong. Sometimes the shiny coins are where you're going to be able to find some of your best finds. Granted, your eyes are going to be tired after you've looked through a couple rolls or even a box of brand new scents, but hey, don't tackle them all at once. Set them aside and do a couple rolls a day, a week, or whatever your pace is. When you get some time to sit down and tear through a couple rolls, I'm going to give you a reminder for some things you want to keep on the lookout for. Regardless if you have a brand new box of scents or some pretty promising customer rolls. The first thing to check for is the rotated die error. This one can be pretty easy to spot. The perfect coin will have a 180 degree obverse to reverse relationship. When one of the dies becomes loose and rotates, it will cause the memorial or the shield to be offset. Number two to check for is the off-center struck coin. This occurs when the planchet is not positioned in the appropriate spot between the dies. It's a really cool error to find. If you think you have one, to be officially classified as an off-center strike, the coin needs to be missing part of the design, both sides of the coin here. If you only see one side of the coin with the design floating off the edge, then you'll only have number three on the list today, the misaligned die strike. If the hammer die doesn't line up with the anvil die, one side of your coin will have the appearance of the design floating off the coin. They do come in varying severities, and obviously the more drastic it is, the more it will be worth. Generally, collectors are looking for the drastic errors in regards to a misaligned die strike. Number four is an error that is usually pretty common to find. Check the coin out. If it's missing some of the design or the date, and the rest of the coin appears to be normal, you have yourself a struck-through grease error. These are pretty cool to come across, and they generally can be found without any magnification. The more that's missing on your coin from this type of error, the more valuable it will be to you or some lucky collector that you have to offer it to sell. The last one today that I want to remind you of is the ever-so-famous cud. If you've ever seen a blob of metal from the rim extending into the coin, you have yourself a nice cud. It happens when the die breaks and allows the metal to flow into that area. I say famous because in the error community, you will hear the cuds are kings, and it's no lie. They often bring good money in auctions, and they're very cool pieces to add to your collection and pass around the club for the other collectors to see. Don't dread that new box of coins, folks. Crack those rolls open and start looking. You may get tired of seeing the same date on what appears to be the same shiny coin. However, when you come across one of the above, you're going to be pretty happy that you didn't turn those rolls back into the bank for other ones. Happy hunting, friends. On the last World Coin Spotlight segment, we ended our journey in South America and went as far south as we could go. So where are we headed to next? 
A lot of folks wanted to go to Europe. I've had a few listeners tell me, head to Africa. Well, since we've exhausted the Americas and it's cold here where I'm at, get your jacket on because we're heading somewhere where it's even colder, Greenland. It is an autonomous territory of the Kingdom of Denmark, so all of the citizens there are considered citizens of Denmark. Because of this, they are granted European Union citizenship. The capital is Nook. It is the world's largest island and also holds the title for having the northernmost undisputed point of land in the world. It has a population estimate of 56,583. The average temp in the summertime here is a balmy 42 degrees, and the winter it can head down to minus 4 degrees. There is a long and storied history for Greenland, and its money is no different. They have used Danish coins and currency as legal tender since 1721. The krona can be verified to have been in use as early as 1618. In 1873, they decided to join the Scandinavian Monetary Union, which allowed Norwegian and Swedish coins to be in use up until the year 1914. Their current coinage consists of the 50 ore, the 1 krona, 2, 5, 10, and 20 krona. The coin we're going to feature today is from the year 1957. It is the 1 krona coin of Frederick IX. The obverse of the coin is pretty cool. It has the crown coat of arms shield of Denmark and Greenland, and in Latin it says Royal Greenlandic Trade 1957. The reverse of the coin has a big old one krona in the middle, surrounded by dwarf fireweed, which is the Greenlandic national flower. The coin has a mintage of 100,209 pieces, and Nemista has a very fine condition coin valued at around $20, so it's not too bad if you want to add one to your collection. It is minted on an aluminum bronze planchet. It is 27.3 millimeters in diameter and 1.9 millimeters thick. It weighs in at 7.5 grams. Even though it was minted in 1957, it had a very short run. As of July 1st, 1967, the coin was demonetized and no longer allowed to be used as legal currency. Well, folks, I'm loving all your suggestions on where to head to next and the reason for doing so. Where do you think it makes sense to head from here? Iceland? Europe? Skip it all and head over to Asia? Or how about a little more chatter from our friends who collect African currency? You tell me. on this episode is going to be on the United States large cent. Like I said earlier, collectors of the large cent are some of the most passionate collectors out there. So if any of you are listening, I hope I can do it some justice. Talking about large cents with a passionate collector is like talking to a person who lives and breathes football right now. They can give you just about any stat, minage, variety, or history about the coin at the drop of a hat. It really is exceptional how this coin grew on collectors and how passionate they are about it. Well, like its name suggests, the large cent on its faith is worth one cent. Please don't spend it, though. 
I don't think you could. Convenience store clerks look at you weird if you try to pass an Eisenhower dollar or a $2 bill. So, anyhow, the values are all over the book with these coins, and their history is just as interesting as the range in value that they bring. The very first time that a large cent was minted was in 1793. It had a very nice run up until 1857 when the cent was changed to the size which we are most accustomed to today. Every single large cent coin you come across can trace its roots back to Philadelphia Mint. If your bank account is large enough, you can get your hands on every year of the coin from 1793 to the very end of 1857, except one year. Yes, that's right. One year you'll be missing in your collection. Well, not really missing because there was one year that the Mint did not make large cents, and that was 1815. We had ourselves a little problem with getting our hands on enough copper to make coins because we decided to declare war on Great Britain in 1812. The people whom we got our copper planches to make large cents on. Let's start with the first year of production on these coins. The 1793 flowing hair scent made its debut with Lady Liberty on the obverse and a chain of rings on the reverse, hence why it's called the flowing hair scent chain reverse. It was engraved by Henry Voigt, and when it came out, it was criticized by almost everyone because they thought it was not a very good-looking coin, and the chains were perceived to allude to slavery. It had a very small minage of 36,103 coins, but even with this small minage and the criticism of the design, this coin did hold a distinction that none other in our history can lay claim to. It is the first official coinage of the United States of America to be minted by the federal government in its own building with its own equipment. This coin is always in high demand with collectors and it has a very low survival rate. Picking up a coin in even the lowest possible condition will cost you a couple grand. David Rittenhouse was receiving criticism over the new coin's design on an overwhelming level and he had probably reached his limit. As the months passed in 1793, he decided to have the scent redesigned and remove the chains in favor of a better, more unified design. The wreath reverse. Now, I like to tell stories here on the podcast, and this is no exception, but I like to give you as accurate of information as what I can. Herein lies the problem with these early large scents. I utilize a number of resources to verify accuracy, and to the best of my research, I cannot find an agreement on who the designer was for these early coins. Some say it was Henry Voigt, some say the redesign belongs to Adam Eckfeldt, and others say there is not enough information to credit the design to anyone. Well, if you have a strong passion for the coin and can verify the information, I would love to have a chat with you to see who the design belongs to. Either way, we know the engraver for the chain reverse and the new updated wreath reverse was Henry Voigt. The wreath reverse gave us a new bust design with longer hair and yes, you guessed it, a wreath on the reverse. The total minage on this design was a little over 63,000 pieces. The next change arrived in the same year, believe it or not. Still, Rittenhouse was getting complaints on the design of the coin. <laughs> this guy couldn't catch a break. Nowadays, we have instant communication, text, email, phone, you name it. Imagine him taking his morning coffee with friends and then complaining about the design, and then the mail starts arriving, one letter after another. The slow dread of when is this going to stop? 
Well, he decided once again to appease the masses with a new design for the large set. This one is called the Liberty Cap. Now, I'm sure he still received complaints from some people, but it had to have been just a hair more popular than the last two, as it had its run up until 1796. Not without change, though, during those years. If you think varieties of Lincoln cents can make your head spin, look at the Liberty Cap cents in the Red Book. You have the 1793 Liberty Cap, the 1794, head of the 1793, the 1794, head of the 1794, the 1794 head and low relief, 1794 exact head of 1795, 1794 starred reverse, 1794 no fraction bar, 1795 lettered edge, 1795 plain edge. Am I done? No, not yet. 1795 reeded edge, 1795 Jefferson head plain edge, 1795 Jefferson head lettered edge. 1796 Liberty Cap, some of those are only a handful of coins known to be minted. It seems like everyone at the Mint was chasing their tails with these. The next design we call the Drape Bust Large Set. It was around from 1796 to 1807. 1796 was an important year for coinage as there was a redesign for a lot of them. Robert Scott set off to make the Large Set one of those as well. The bust of Liberty was now wearing a drapery, and she had a nice ribbon in her long, flowing hair. The reverse of the coin now had an olive wreath on it. You could count on the boys at the Mint getting this one correct the first time, couldn't you? Nope. The drape bust went through many different design changes over the years. I don't think anyone listening to the podcast has one of these in their collection. However, there is a year that contains a drape bust with only three known specimens. It is the 1796 Stemless Reverse. Can you take a venture to guess what that would cost you to put in your collection? I'm sure it heads to the auction block frequently. The next variation of the coin was called the Classic Head Scent. It ran from 1808 to 1814. This coin is not known for its sharply stuck specimens or its quality. Can you take a guess why? It was actually a quality issue. The copper that they used to get these planchets out the door was of a higher quality than any other year to date, which made it softer. What happens when you have soft copper, folks? More wear and tear and more corrosion. It'll be hard to get your hands on a good quality large scent from these years. The bust on these years faces to the left, a change in the design along with the word liberty and a whole new face for the old girl. I actually think this version looks much better than the rest. Tell me if I'm wrong. Now, we're up to 1815. Remember what happened in 1815? That's right, no large sense. The next group, the Liberty Heads, ran from 1816 up until they took the hatchet to them in 1857. We have the Matron Head scent that ran from 1816 to 1835. The old girl looked more mature in this design. A design change comes with each of these, and to focus on each and every one of these would have you non-large scent collectors banging your head against the wall, and we don't want that now, do we? A lot of details, such as number of stars, large and small dates, large narrow, and small wide dates. You Susie B collectors take note there. Check it out. 1828, the next we call the Matron Head Modified. They refreshed the look of the coin and made Lady Liberty's appearance look a little more youthful. The young head, more commonly referred to as, was minted from 1835 to 1839. 
The last of the large dents is referred to as the braided hair. Once again, she was given a more slimmer and youthful appearance, with other minor tweaks coming throughout the years. In 1857, the director of the mint put the word out that they were barely paying expenses with minting the large scent. Some of us are probably laughing right now because for years now we've been taking a hit on the modern scent, and that's still going on for the foreseeable future. People just don't like them anymore. They weren't a fan favorite, especially outside of the big cities. Reform came about, and the smaller Flying Eagle scent that was running up against the large scent since 1856 won out. No more large scents. Well, kind of, but that's a tale for another episode. I'm thinking of something along the lines of mint-made rarities. What do you think? Anyhow, it was a pleasure to be back here with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I can't wait to have you along with me on the next episode of the Coin Club Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Coin Club Podcast. I had a great time with you and look forward to sharing with you on the next episode. Please follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook at the Seven House Coins Currency Bullion and also on Instagram at the Coin Club Podcast. You can also go to my website, www.sevenhousecb.com and give me some feedback on this episode or some suggestions on what you would like to see on future episodes. As always, I'm grateful to all of you for your support and look forward to seeing you the next time on the Coin Club Podcast.